Well, good morning. My name is Brian. Uh, I graduated from CBU uh, with a major in uh, business and Christian studies. So I actually got to double major there, and uh, it was a great opportunity, and I loved my time there at CBU. And I've seen uh, there's been several CBU grads. Uh, Could I see some CBU grads? Oh, wow, that's awesome. That's really good to see. That's super encouraging. And I also see some UCR grads as well. <laughs> it's okay. We're, we're all Christians, so we're all on the same team. <laughs> um, well, today we're going to be in the 34th Psalm, uh, Psalm 34. Um, some people I've heard in the youth group, uh, they say psalms. It's not psalms. It's psalms. <laughs> so we're going to be in Psalm 34. And just a brief background on psalms. There's several types of, of psalms that we see uh, written uh, in this book. Uh, some of them include uh, lament psalms, uh, psalms where, where David is in this uh, place of despair or brokenness, and he's calling out to God. He's calling out to God for hope, for victory, for joy. Um, there's also other songs like uh, psalms of praise, uh, psalms where we're David directs his attention uh, from, from his situation, and instead he's saying, I'm going to give God my praise, like he is worthy of my praise. He is all magnificent. Uh, let us praise him together. And so those are psalms of praise. There's also uh, psalms uh, that we call royal, royal psalms, which are Davidic psalms or messianic psalms, psalms that point uh, to our Savior, that is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, so, so there's different types of psalms. This psalm is a very interesting and unique psalm uh, in that David is actually writing out of a place of brokenness. Um, you'll actually see on this next slide that this is the background of Psalm 34. David is actually fleeing from Saul. Now, do you, do you remember who King Saul is? Some of you remember who King Saul is? Okay, so this is actually, at this moment, David's father-in-law coming after him and trying to kill him. He tries to kill him four times, four times. David leaves from Saul's kingdom. Jonathan warns him, hey, David, my my, my dad is going to try to kill you. Uh, You got to go. And so what does David do? He takes him and a few of his men, and they go to this place called Gath. Now, I don't know if you know what Gath is. Um, I, I did some deep diving into the city of Gath, and it's actually the city uh, where Goliath was from, Goliath. And so one, one thing that you need to understand, uh, what did David do uh, when he approached Goliath? What, what was the end result of that story? Well, he got this little sling, right? Whoopa! Right in the face, smacked in the face, sword, bam. Goliath's done. His, his story's over. That's the end of Goliath. But that's not the end of Gath, his hometown. And so uh, there's this king there whose name is Achish. Achish. And what he's doing there is he sees that David is, is, has entered uh, Gath. His men call out to, to Achish, the king, and, and they say, dude, David is here. He's actually here right now. Um, 
David's a crazy man. He's killed like millions of, not millions, but thousands of Philistines, right? So this is not a good situation for us. We got to get rid of him. David hears of this and he gets scared. And so he's like, he's acting all crazy. He's all like slobbering and he's like crawling and like acting like a, I don't know. He's just acting very, very weird at this moment. And he's just trying to act like a crazy man. So that way the king actually has him leave and, 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 and depart from Gath. And so he leaves from Gath and he's right here in this place called Adalom. It's this cave hiding in there with his, his men, his soldiers. David is in this place, a uh, physical place, uh, of darkness, but he's also in this spiritual place of darkness, brokenness, being in this cave. And on the next slide, we're going to see, um, this, this is the beginning of the psalm. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and pray. If you don't mind, I'm going to go pray, uh, just so that we can prepare our hearts for the, the Lord's scripture. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for this time that we can uh, dive into your word I pray that we can learn from your word, that we can grasp uh, what it is that you want us to learn from your word. And I pray that we can just uh, come with humility, uh, ready to be learners, ready to, to hear from your word and to apply it to our lives, God. It's in your wonderful, marvelous name, Father God. Amen. Awesome. So this brings us to where David is writing in Psalm number uh, 34. He's actually in this cave writing it. I don't know. Maybe he found a torch or something because I'm like, wait, if he's in this place of darkness, like how is he able to write? But he is in this place of darkness. He's in this place of brokenness and despair. And it's, it's similar to see his humanity that he's in this place of brokenness and despair. Sometimes that's us. Sometimes we can be in brokenness and despair and, and not know what to do. But I, I think... What's really important about this text is how David approaches uh, being in this place of brokenness and despair. And we'll see it as we uh, go along in this psalm. In verse 1, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. And he delivered me from all my fears. This is a beautiful psalm. This is amazing to see. What does it, what does it say right here in the, in the very first verse? I will bless the Lord at all times. How, how Does it say, I will bless the Lord uh, in the good times? Does it say that? No, it doesn't say I will bless the Lord sometimes or when I feel like blessing the Lord or praising God. It says I will bless the Lord at all, all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. That's amazing. That's amazing to see. His soul boasts in the Lord. His soul is, at, is, is, is actually at peace in the Lord, and it's also in confidence in the Lord. And it's also, it says, let the humble hear and be glad. Um, 
one of the important things uh, that we have to realize, um, if we want to really experience God and His goodness together, we have to come from a place of humility. Does that make sense? We can't come from a place where we think we know everything or that, that we can be uh, able to do things on our own. We have to come from a place of dependence on God. And this is where we see David uh, depending on God. Verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and exalt his name together. He says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Wow. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life, even recently, where I've gone through a lot of fears. A lot of fears. The whole 2020, 2021 year, a lot of fears, right? We were all scared. Dealing with this weight of, of the unknown or, or going through this time, this season of like, what's going to happen next, right? We all had fears. Um, during that year, uh, we were afraid that we were going to uh, actually lose my, my father, my grandfather that raised me. And, and we did. And that was a really difficult season. But, but we were able to hold on to uh, God's word and, and able to hold on to God through it all. Um, it says in verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Even though I was afraid during that season because, you know, I've, I've never lived life without my grandfather as, as he pa- passed away, I knew that the Lord is with me. And he, the Lord is with you as well. He's with you right now. That, that's amazing hope that we can see as a, as a believer and as a Christian is that the Holy Spirit's living in us. So, so my first point, uh, you can ignore, uh, I, I changed it up a little bit. You can go actually down to the sermon notes and, and handwrite it. My first point is at all times, I will praise the Lord. At all times, I will praise the Lord. Let's continue through this psalm. Uh, verse 5 says, Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces, they'll, they'll never be ashamed. They'll never be ashamed. Verse 6, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. This poor man is David, right? He's writing this psalm. Yes, he's poor as far as like he doesn't have a lot of resources at this time because he's on the run, right? Um, but I think even more than this, he's in this poor uh, spiritual place, this place of brokenness and despair. And so, so that's something we really need to, to look at. And it says, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Even though he was going through troubles, God still had his hand on, on David. And that's, that's something beautiful to grasp. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Now, now I, I really uh, had uh, a lot of questions when it talks about the angel of the Lord. Because there's a lot of views on this. Some say it's an actual angel like, like Gabriel or, or uh, like a, a, an angel. Or there's some other uh, theories that it could be a theophany. 
a theophany. Now, I don't know if you know what theophany is. It's a big word, theo, meaning God, and phani, meaning uh, historically. So it's actually uh, God uh, appearing. It's God appearing. Or, even more so, I might even think of it's this, a Christophany. It's, God, it's Jesus appearing and protecting. So, so those are a few different views. Um, if you go to 2 Kings 6, 8 with me, we can really see uh, the angel of the Lord. 2 Kings uh, 6, 8. This is uh, involving Elisha. Elisha. And this is involving Elisha's servant and the king of Syria and his soldiers. Okay? So it says, Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent uh, to the place about which the man of God told him. Then he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of, of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is, to, is for the king of Israel? And none of his servants said, or, and one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I might send and seize him. It was told to him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent there horses and chariots and a great army. And they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, who's the man of God in here? Elisha, great. Uh, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. What does he want him to see? We're about to find out. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, the servant, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of chariots of fire and horses all around Elisha. Right there, we see that God was right there protecting him, only if he could see what God was doing. And that's, that's amazing to see that. And so I think that's a great uh, vision or imagery of, of what the angel of the Lord is. It, it's, it's God and his sovereignty and his, his, his majesty protecting us um, when we're going through a, a time of, of being attacked. It's God having his hand over him. Verse 9, it says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. So my next point is, as believers, we can actually look to God for hope and to be rescued. As believers, we can look to God for hope and to be rescued. Now you're going to ask me, well, are we always rescued? Are, there's persecution, right? There's times where, where people uh, end up by dying for, for Christ, like 
uh, being martyred. And, and, and I say, yes, God does protect his people, but sometimes uh, God has a different plan and purpose that we can't always see. And we don't know what, what exactly God is doing, but we do know one thing. We know God is good. God is not evil. God is sovereign, and he has a plan. And that's something that we can hold on to as believers. Verse 10. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Now, when I, when I thought of the lions, I, I thought, I, immediately I thought like Lion King or, or like, I don't know, whatever lions you might think of. Uh, you could also think of like Narnia, like Aslan, right? <laughs> There's a lion there. Well, the amazing thing about this in this imagery is it says the young lions. So it's saying that they're very young, but they suffer want and hunger. So basically, these lions are trying to find food for themselves. They're trying to provide for themselves. They're basically trying to be self-sufficient. And it says, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. This is a, a, a good analogy of those who are trying to be self-sufficient, those who are trying to uh, provide just for themselves, and like that's the whole goal of their life. Does that make sense? Where, where they're like focusing on prosperity or, or focusing on, on trying to build up their own kingdom. That's what, what he's saying when he says, the young lions suffer want and hunger. They want more and more and more and more and more to add to their name, to add to their kingdom or their, their life, right? They're always wanting the next thing. But it says, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And why is that? Our riches are in Christ. Our riches are in Christ. They're not in material possessions. And when we have a relationship with God, we are able to find satisfaction. Satisfaction, contentment. And and that's a wonderful thing. Where we don't need the next iPhone or the next, (laughs) or to see that, uh, to get the next Tesla or a car or whatever, <laughs> whatever is popular, Lamborghini, I don't know. <laughs> but, but the point is, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing because they have a relationship with Jesus. They have a relationship with God. And that's, a, that's amazing. Um, verse 11, come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? And then here's where we get to that passage that Pastor Cliff actually shared uh, not too long ago. Uh, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So what does that mean? It means that we must uh, turn away from evil. We must turn away from our past lives because we all, before Christ had evilness or sinfulness inside of us, right? We all had this thing we call a sinful nature. The sinful nature is that we're we're, uh, naturally inclined to do things that are evil. Um, Like, I'm thinking of like a toddler, like when they're like two, maybe they're, they're like trying to steal from the cookie jar. And then you... Like, let's say the toddler reaches up to the cookie jar, 
and like starts eating, uh, let's say like five cookies. I know that's probably an unhealthy amount, but <laughs> let's just say that. <laughs> they're eating these cookies, and, and, and then uh, they're like, okay, I'm going to put the cookie jar back. And then there's all this chocolate over their mouth. Their, their mom approaches them, hey, did you just eat cookies? They're like, uh-uh, no, uh-uh. <laughs> I haven't seen a cookie. What cookie? See, that, that's just one small example of like, uh, just like how we are born into sin. Does that make sense? Uh, Romans 3.23 and Romans uh, 6.23 really uh, are, I'll actually go to those verses real quick. I'll share Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't say for some, but all of us. The amazing thing and the uh, beautiful hope in the gospel is that all of us are sinners. You, me, everyone. And that's the hardest part I think that we have to acknowledge is our sin. But we're also, if we place our faith in, in Christ and in Jesus, we're also saints. We're, we're sinners and saints. It's this beautiful thing. And, and, and God loves us. When we, place, we, when we place our faith in Jesus, God loves us. And he cares about us. And that's, that's a beautiful thing to hold on to. Because sometimes we, we as people don't uh, feel like we're loved. We feel like, man, I'm so sinful, or man, I'm, I'm going through this dark season or this uh, hard season. And then when you realize that God loves you, like no matter how much you've sinned in your past, uh, but that you have a relationship with Jesus and that you are going through this process that the Holy Spirit is working in you called sanctification. Sanctification is that work of the Holy Spirit inside of you that is helping you and convicting you uh, to flee from sin and to walk towards God. Your, your flesh wants you to go this way, but the Holy Spirit wants you to go on the path of righteousness. So sometimes it might, you might struggle, you might go this way, but ultimately the Holy Spirit is leading you down this path. And righteousness, the amazing thing, righteousness is not perfection. None of us can be perfect, right? None of us are perfect. And um, why? If we were perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus, right? If we were perfect, there would be no point for Jesus. But righteousness is being right with God because of who took your place. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so now, when we, we, we continue on to this psalm, you are the righteous. All of you that have your faith in Jesus, you are the righteous. So, so read this with me, and I hope you find this encouraging. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against all those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all. 
one important thing from there is God listens to his people. And we are his people. We, the church, are his people. That's beautiful. That's, that's amazing. You are his people. He's listening to you when you cry for help, when you pray prayers from a broken place, from a dark place. And, and remember, David is in this dark place of despair. He just left, fleeing for his life. He was afraid. But then we see back, if we go to verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. That's amazing. We're going to go to verse 20. He keeps all his bones, and not one of them is broken. So remember how I said uh, there's some psalms that are royal psalms? This points to Jesus right there. And you're going to say, wait, why? He keeps all his uh, bones. Not one of them is broken. When Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, his arms were outstretched, right? On the cross. But he died before they were able to break his bones. Now, normally, this is the process, right? You're on the cross, and you're, you're, you're in excruciating pain. Excruciating pain. The worst pain you could possibly ever feel and, and experience. And as you're on that cross, you're going through this, this time of, of having to breathe. And, and if they would want uh, to end your life quicker, they would go and get this, this big like hammer-like thing. Bam! They would, they would smash the legs. They'd break them. Because if, if you're on that cross, normally you would be trying to breathe, right? But if you're on that cross, they break your legs. Now you can't push yourself up to breathe. And so that is one thing is that he keeps all of his bones. Not one of them is broken. That's just amazing to see uh, how the Bible always, in some way, uh, Scripture points to Jesus. Uh, it's the whole story called, okay, this is another big word. I'm sorry for using so many big words today. Meta-narrative. Meta meaning big or, or the full. And, and narrative is story. So the big story of, of the Bible involves Jesus. It involves Jesus. And it, it points to Jesus. He's the center of the whole Bible. And the amazing thing is we're included in that as we as believers uh, get to experience that personal relationship with Jesus. He says in verse 21, Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of them who take refuge in him will be condemned. Where do you see uh, condemnation Again, I see it in one passage of Scripture. If we go to John 3, it's a very famous passage. I'm sure most of you have heard it. You've seen it at basketball games or, or uh, football games. There's usually a guy holding up a sign with this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him, shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son 
into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe him in him is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. That's huge. That's huge. So God wants a personal relationship with us. Not because he's lonely, not because he isn't, uh, he's just bored up in heaven. God wants a personal relationship with each one of us because one, he created us, and two, he loves us. And you're going to say, well, that doesn't make sense. The way the, the world uh, describes love is so different than what, what the Bible uh, displays as, as love. Usually uh, love in, in a secular way or definition is, is like it involves feelings, just feelings, or, or acting off of emotion, right? But in this type of love, in Christian love, we see that it's usually a sacrificial type of love, a love that's, that's not for yourself, that's not uh, focused inward, but it's focused outward. It's focused on loving others and, and loving God. And so that's the beautiful thing about the gospel is that God changes us. God changes us when we have that personal relationship with us. And for some of us, it may take longer. It might take uh, more trials. It might take uh, sometimes going through more temptation and, and suffering. But God is with us through it all. And that's the amazing hope that we have in Christ. So I want to end with this final point. Jesus accomplished saving us from condemnation through his death and resurrection. That's the amazing hope of the gospel. And I hope today you, you leave here encouraged that God loves you, that God cares about you, and that he has a plan for your life. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. And thank you for all you're doing in our lives. Help us to trust in you and to uh, just live for you, God. It's in your name, Father God. Amen. Check. Uh, thank you very much, Brian. I really appreciate that. And it's this idea of uh, escaping condemnation that we were, uh, the passage you read in, from uh, John chapter 3, we were already condemned. And uh, all of us were condemned. And Christ came and saved us from that, those at least that, that put their trust in him. So thank you again for that message. Uh, I forgot to mention during the announcements that uh, you can hang out afterwards if you'd like. We're going to give Brian an opportunity, uh, depending on how many people are here, we'll arrange how we do it, but to, to share a little bit more about himself as he uh, is in that process of candidating for the position of associate pastor. So if you want to stick around, probably we won't, we will definitely not go past noon, so uh, there's no food so you'll have to save yourself. Well, there's probably some extra communion bread, which it's, we've blessed. You can, you can eat it if you need a snack now. All right? So uh, just God bless you as you're dismissed. And if you'd like to stick around and get to know Brian a little better, uh, please do that.